Please open your Bibles with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. I hope that all of you would be able to teach Psalm 82. And that some of you would be able to defend it. And the understanding of it that was just conveyed to you, very simple psalm, very easy to understand. May the Lord bless us all to believe the truth, teach the truth, and to defend it when called upon. The book of Ecclesiastes is Solomon's book of philosophy to find the purpose of man under the sun while he's on earth. I preached this a number of years ago to you, and we took from this book 63 lessons of philosophy, divine philosophy. We want lesson number 18 today, and that is chapter 5 and verse 8. And I read to you Ecclesiastes 5.8. If thou seest the oppression of the poor and violent perverting of judgment and justice in a province, marvel not at the matter. For he that is higher than the highest regardeth, and there be higher than they. Amen. Amen. If thou seest the oppression of the poor and violent perverting of judgment and justice in a province, marvel not at the matter. For he that is higher than the highest regardeth, and there be higher than they. Amen and amen. Thank you, blessed God, for writing such a comforting verse to us. Sometimes we need it. We should always remember it. And we should remind each other of it. Large political, social, or moral changes cause angst and or anger to the Lord's people everywhere. Because of modern communication, the internet, social media, and other changes... Events that were once localized are now spread worldwide in just seconds. Pictures, videos, and sound bites are sensationalized to accentuate fear, anger, worry, confusion, frustration. The breakdown of authority caused by the government has resulted in things being turned upside down. Rather than rulers oppressing... As all our passages of Scripture describe, we see entitled brats under their rule oppressing them. Life on earth should be ruled by God's Word only to avoid all the political, social, or moral injustice that ruins life. God's Word is the only way to live. If there were no God, no heaven, no hell, the Bible is still the best way to live your life. But there is a God, and there is a heaven, and there is a hell. Which just makes it all that much sweeter to do things the Lord's way. And to think things the Lord's way. This upside down world is the judgment of God on it. And it comes from the folly of government. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, not Ecclesiastes 3, Isaiah 3 tells us, that one of God's judgment is to take away the mighty men. I preached it to you on a Wednesday evening not too many months ago. He takes away the eloquent man. He takes away the, the orator. He takes away the craftsman. He takes away the skilled men. He takes away the mighty men and leaves women and children to rule over them and thus America today. It is a evil that descends from the top. Look at chapter 10 of Ecclesiastes, where we have another one of Solomon's lessons. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 5. There is an evil 
which I have seen under the sun, as an error which proceedeth from the ruler. Solomon is observing things here. Folly is set in great dignity. Our jokesters, stand-up comedians, comedies on the television, sitcoms, are they put in great dignity? There's joking and jesting everywhere. Folly is set in great dignity. Fools are lifted up. Fools of all kinds. And the rich sit in low place. That is not the way it ought to be. The rich should sit in high place and fools should be in the low place. I have seen servants upon horses and princes walking as servants upon the earth. If there's a horse, the man that belongs on the horse is the prince. And the man standing beside or behind the horse is the servant. I like behind better. But Solomon saw that sometimes that gets reversed as it's being reversed in our society. And he said, it is an error. I believe that. And he said, it's an error that proceeds from the government. I believe that as well. When the government does not execute the authority that God gave it, then authority breaks down at all levels underneath that government. Back to Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 8. The Bible has all the answers to every issue, including this one that's taking our nation and much of the world. Numerous problems in America and ISIS in Europe and other places. The foundations are out of course. They don't know how to deal with it. They've brought it upon themselves. I hope that you'll always remember Psalm 82. The worldview of Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 8 should always be remembered. This verse should be our mantra. This verse should be our banner. We march behind this verse. We can go to bed and sleep peacefully at night because of this verse. We can read the news or hear about the news because of this verse and have it not bother us. Lord, help us. We believe, help thou our unbelief to lay hold of this principle and to never let go of it. Solomon summarized human existence in the world as all is vanity and vexation of spirit. And this is one of the vanities of life and one of the vexing things of life is to see a violent perverting of justice and judgment in a province. It's vanity and it's vexing and it may vex you. It vexes me from time to time. It vexes me considerably. But I find my peace and my rest and my foundation in Ecclesiastes 5.8 and the rest of the Word of God. This text is needed. This verse should be memorized. It should be known and remembered. It's wonderful. It could be studied to a great depth and great length but we're not going to do that this morning. There's one clause I want you to never forget. There's five clauses in this verse, and I want you to never forget the middle one. Marvel not at the matter. Can you remember that? Marvel not at the matter. What does the word marvel mean? To wonder or to be astonished or surprised. Do not wonder at what goes on in Washington. Do not be astonished at what goes on in Europe. Do not be surprised by the political things that are done, the laws that are legislated. Do not marvel. Marvel not at the matter. What is the matter? The violent perverting of justice and judgment in a province. When you see it happen, God has not lost control. When you see it happen, you don't have to go get involved. When you see it happen, God's in charge and He is regarding the matter. As the fourth clause tells us, marvel not at the matter. How many times should we quote it in order for us all to go home and remember it? Marvel not at the matter. When you see bad things happening in our society, defended or promoted by the government, subsidized by the government, legislated by the government, don't be surprised. Don't be astonished. Don't wonder about it. God's in charge. Do you know what he says in Psalm 76 and verse 10? Surely the wrath of man shall praise thee. Every wild 
violent, perverse thing that is being executed in the world right now praises God. Surely the wrath of man shall praise thee, and the remainder of wrath thou shalt restrain. God restrains anything that is not going to be used to His praise and to His purpose and to His will. So if you've read about it, if you've heard about it, if it's on the news, it's bringing Him praise. You just might not see it yet. But you should be able to see most of it. You know, when they say that there's no difference between Jehovah and Allah, may millions migrate to them. When they say that there's no difference between the Bible and the Koran, may they continue to teach the Koran in their public zoos and reap the results. Can't you see that? When they say that two men in a bed is a marriage, and they have every right to adopt a baby, let them have it their way. God tells us exactly what He's doing with them. He's disgracing and shaming them among themselves. So see the praise of God. Surely the wrath of man shall praise thee, and the remainder of wrath thou shalt restrain. That is Psalm 76 and verse 10. That is the God I have loved for near 40 years now. And I thank Him for giving me existence that I could know Him. And though all seven and a half billion people might disagree, I couldn't care less about their collective opinion in comparison to the Word of God. It's so simple to believe what I just said about sodomy, which is in total agreement with Romans chapter 1, because it only takes a real man about three seconds to realize that it's really twisted, perverse, corrupt, and mixed up, and God's doing it. Praise His glorious name. They deserve it. More power to you. Go for it. Keep praising my God. Passively, while we do it actively. Sitting in here and singing God of our fathers. I can promise you something about that national hymn that was a national creative contest in 1876 to mark our centennial that uh, Allah was not in the song or the hymn. And when it says, Thy word shall be our law, it wasn't the Koran. Marvel not at the matter. Sometimes I marvel, and I don't wonder, and I'm not astonished, And I'm not surprised. I get angry. I'm confessing. Surely the wrath of man shall praise thee, and the remainder of wrath thou shalt restrain. God standeth among the mighty. He judges in the assembly of the gods. Let's leave it to Him. Current events. You know, I was going to preach to you today the next trait of higher ground. But what was going on at the University of Missouri messed me up. See, I personally, and you on this particular point, this is a liberty. I personally would rather have government oppressing citizens as opposed to citizens oppressing government. Because I know that that authority working downward, even when it is misused, still reflects God. But working upward never reflects Him. And it's only to be used in very rare exceptions. But to have the president, President Timothy Wolf, pushed out of office by the rabid rabble, bothered me. And so the Lord just kept convicting me and then comforting me with Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 8. That very successful man that is worth more than all of the rabble put together, you want to talk about lives mattering? His life mattered more than all of them. He's had more success in his 30 years in industry than all of them could have. 
in his resignation speech, he quoted these words from our Bible. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Psalm 46, 1. Unbeknownst to me, while I was experiencing some anger over what was happening in Missouri, some Muslim refugees were having a party in Paris, and I didn't know it. Missouri was enough for me. I was already cranking away on Ecclesiastes 5.8 talking to Nathan on his way home from work. He, alarmed, he, he told me that something was going on in the world that I didn't know about. So then I went and found out what was going on in Paris. And it's not that big of an event in world history. It isn't. Yep. It's not nearly as big as what happened to us 14 years ago. But nonetheless, it's an event. The perpetrators are known, identified, celebrating about it and promising much more of it to come, which makes complete sense with their religion and the way their religion has been prosecuted for 1,300 years right. since 700 A.D. Right. Europe and America presently face an overwhelming immigration horde of Muslims and Mexicans. These are current events that we ought to think about for just a moment so that we can appreciate Ecclesiastes 5.8. Demonstrations in Ferguson, Missouri and Baltimore, Maryland about police brutality have ignited rebel fools who are protected, honored, and allowed the press, and allowed to be filmed and videoed. You know, America continues to rush down into the moral abyss of abortion, sodomy, evolution, and confusion. She allows most any perversity among men while condemning the Bible, creation, strong police, and so forth. Those poor policemen that have to go out there for a low wage to begin with and risk their lives, and then be filmed by everyone and caricaturized and destroyed when they have their lives at risk against criminals. So what if they make a mistake once in a while? You shouldn't have been there. It's always going, there's always going to be mistakes. But there aren't any really. Because all you're told about are the few exceptions that weren't mistakes anyway. But they're sensationalized. There's thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of officers who do a wonderful job every day, day in, day out, week in, week out. And they're ignored. But their powers are restrained. And they are fearful. Can you imagine having to be on the job now as one of them and being afraid to draw your sword, which the Lord God of heaven gave you in Romans chapter 13, and use it. Instead of duties and responsibilities being publicized and promoted, demands and rights are exalted. A couple of years ago, I, several years ago, I preached to you of the difference between rights and responsibilities. We have responsibilities before God. The things that we have are privileges. They're not rights. We have an entitled society that has the world upside down. And it will will creep in here. We don't want it to creep in here. We want to oppose it wherever we can. We have responsibilities and duties. Lord, help us. You know, contrary to oppressive government, we see perverse rebellion against government and getting away with it. Police have to stand down. I wish Nebuchadnezzar was back. He never thought about standing down. Except to the Lord God. To man, oh, the Lord loved him. He is my head of gold. Nebuchadnezzar, my servant, is king of kings. Other than Jesus Christ, Nebuchadnezzar is the only one that has that title. In the word of God, I wish he was back. So he could turn a few houses into dung hills and chop their inhabitants in pieces. That's how he approached rebellion against authority. Do you know how cheap that would be? Every chicken farmer has a byproduct he needs to get rid of. Okay, let's look at the text. Again, Ecclesiastes 5.8. 
If thou seest the oppression of the poor and violent perverting of judgment and justice in a province, marvel not at the matter. Marvel not at the matter. Don't wonder about it. Be astonished or surprised. Marvel not at the matter. For he that is higher than the highest regardeth, and there be higher than they. If thou seest the oppression of the poor, human authority in all five spheres is always imperfect, but it's still God's ordinance. God chose to govern this world by imperfect authority. We're imperfect husbands, imperfect fathers, pastors, masters, and civil rulers, always. Never forget that. Just because you can find a fault with a ruler, whether it's civil or business, school or family or church, that doesn't make any difference about God's ordinance. It still stands. We don't deserve perfect authority because we wanted an imperfect world when we sinned in the Garden of Eden. But imperfect authority by God's ordinance and done His way is a very wonderful thing. And societies prosper immediately the closer they are to the Word of God. And thus America was so great because it was fashioned upon the Word of God in some respects. Especially the preaching of God's Word from many pulpits. The issue in this first clause is not faults or mistakes, but rather oppression of the poor. That is hurting and taking advantage of poor who cannot afford to defend themselves or have the power to do so. Solomon saw this in his analysis of life. Look at chapter 4 and verse 1. Just back a page. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 1. When Solomon was observing human life, so I returned and considered all the oppressions that are done under the sun. And behold, the tears of such as were oppressed, and they had no comforter. And on the side of their oppressors there was power, but they had no comforter. So that's a long, lengthy description of oppression, taking advantage of those who have no comforter and who cannot defend themselves. And Solomon said, you're going to see these kind of things. We see oppression of the poor from abortion to jobs lost to immigrants to poor police. I call them poor police because they're not defended and they have no comforter. But we're going to be their comforter because we're going to pray for them. We're going to pray for our law enforcement officers that God will defend them, protect them, and give them great discretion and wisdom in executing their office. Brethren, when it says, if thou seest, Because back then, you would see something, but you would usually have to see it with your own two eyes in your city streets. That there was some oppression of the poor. Some poor person, some widow, some fatherless child was being taken advantage of. But look at us today. We see more things and hear more things by a factor of a thousand than those people in Solomon's day. You cannot avoid seeing oppression today. For it's on the smartphone in your pocket. As soon as you dial in the news, there's oppression going on someplace. Usually the opposite of the way it's being presented to you. Right. You know, they present it as oppression of police brutality, and we see it as oppression against the police. But there it is, and so your angst rises and your anger rises, and you need Ecclesiastes 5.8 as the antidote. You need to roll up your sleeve and inject yourself with Ecclesiastes 5.8. You need to pop a pill, Ecclesiastes 5.8. You need to hear some sweet, calming music, Ecclesiastes 5.8. You should have it on your smartphone. Just hit the app, Bible, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 8. Ah, yes, everything is okay. I love his word. Today we just want to focus on this verse. Technological advances of the last 150 years create new challenges for our godliness in light of this verse, when it says, if thou seest. So the condition is, when you find out that something bad has happened, when you find out that civil authority is not executing their office the way they could or should, when that happens, you need an antidote. And the antidote's the middle of this verse. Marvel not at the matter. Or that's the instruction. Marvel not at the matter. And the antidote is in clauses 4 and 5. Now it says violent perverting of judgment and justice in a province. These are not just little faults and mistakes. This is violent perverting of justice and judgment. Good sense. 
equity, and what is right being violently overthrown. We do see it often, and we are on the other side of the equation, like I just said, than most of those who publish the information. There are examples of such violence in the Bible and in history, some of which we'll mention before we finish. In some respects, the trial and crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ was the worst violence of all time. Yet even this event was in all details according to God's sovereign rule. Specifically, according to His determinate counsel before the world began. Every detail of it. And that was the worst. That was violent perverting of justice and judgment in a province of the Roman Empire. Learning the Bible has a negative. Look at chapter 1 of this book of Ecclesiastes. Jeff and I have talked about this for 30 years. There's a negative to learning truth from the Bible. Ecclesiastes 1.18 For in much wisdom is much grief. And he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. The more you learn from the Bible on how things ought to work, then you look in the newspaper or you're online or wherever you get your news, it causes grief. Because everything they're saying and everything they're doing almost is contrary to the Word of God. So the more you know of the Word of God, the more you know of true legislation, the more you know of true righteousness and true biblical philosophy, the more you see of the world, it becomes very frustrating. And so Solomon said, In much wisdom is much grief. And he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow, because you see more and more what is wrong, and how it could be fixed, but it will not be fixed. If events make you angry, frustrated, fearful, or worried, the middle clause is for you and me. Marvel not at the matter. What were those words? Marvel not at the matter. Don't wonder, be astonished or surprised by what is going on. It should be no surprise. It shouldn't astonish you. You shouldn't wonder about it. And why shouldn't we wonder, be astonished or surprised? Because of what comes next in this wonderful verse. So the if condition is if you are exposed to the bad things happening in our world, our country, our state, our city, the morality here or Paris or anywhere, if you're troubled by those things, if you see it, and you can see that there's violent perverting of justice and judgment, that the poor are being oppressed, that what is right is not being prosecuted, that evil is being defended, marvel not at the matter. Don't worry about it. Don't wonder about it. Because of clause 4. For he that is higher than the highest regardeth. First of all, it says, He that is higher than the highest, and that is our God, our Lord Jesus Christ, is higher than the highest. Here is the reason we should not marvel, we shouldn't wonder, be astonished or surprised at all. The highest authority on earth or in heaven the highest authority on earth or in heaven is under the higher authority of Jehovah God, our God, the Lord Jehovah. There's generally three degrees of authority. Someone is high, someone is higher, and someone is highest. He's highest. But when God writes the Bible... He comes up with a fourth category. Higher than the highest. Now if you're the highest, there's no one higher. But it's the highest on earth. Or it's the highest in heaven. And remember, there are devils behind worldly kingdoms on earth. They can't be seen. And they're far more powerful than the little bags of sweat running around that are called men. And it doesn't matter who the highest is of those on earth or those behind the scenes, or those in heaven, or those in hell, He is higher. And so the comfort to us is in clause 4, for He that is higher than the highest. And we're thankful that we have a God that in the Bible is known as the Most High God. Eleven times. 
referred to without the word God as the Most High 37 other times. So 48 times we have the Most High God. The Most High. There's no other God that measures to Him. There's no other angel. There's no other human. No authority on earth can come close to the Lord our God. Now God is not a spectator like deistic heresy. He observes rulers with holiness. The eyes of the Lord are in all the earth, beholding the evil and the good. Proverbs 15.3 Psalm 18 already told us that God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. Every time rulers come together and make a decision, God is standing there. And He is judging among them. Remember Psalm 82. It wasn't picked by random number generator. I chose it for you. I never want you to forget it. I love Psalm 82 about political governments in the world and what the Lord has to say about them. God is not a spectator. When it says He here, He regardeth, we have already learned this morning from Psalm 82 that He is regarding by observing and judging. He will never forget, though He may wait a while. Look at Amos chapter 8. The little prophet of Amos. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah. Amos. He regardeth. Oh, isn't that comforting? You know, we read and we see the news and so we read it. Or we hear the news. Or we see a video cast. And we look at it. So we're seeing things and so we're regarding it. Look what's happening, wife. Look what's happening, husband. Oh, but there's someone else regarding. And he's far more important. All we can do it is get stressed and frustrated. All he can do is end it. But he takes his time. Remember, he took the wheels off of Pharaoh's chariots. An instant death would have been a little too quick. He took the wheels off Pharaoh's chariot So he drove his chariot furiously. Why was he driving it furiously? Because he was scared out of his wits at trembling jello on both sides. He stained his royal tunic. And then God dropped the water on him. Bless and praise His holy name. Do you know that Pharaoh only existed for one purpose in this world? There's only one purpose why his mother didn't miscarry. For God to get himself a name on that blasphemer. Exodus 9.16 and Romans 9.17 say the same thing what I just said to you. Even for this same purpose did God raise up Pharaoh to get himself glory over that man. Amos chapter 8. Verse 7. The Lord hath sworn by the excellency of Jacob, surely I will never forget any of their works. Remember this about God. He swears by the excellency of Jacob. He swears by Himself. How Who else can He swear by? The Lord hath sworn by the excellency of Jacob, surely I will never forget any of their works. Back to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. So when it says, He that is higher than the highest regardeth. He is taking into account and recording everything that they are doing, good and bad. And He will never forget. His mind is not like ours at all. Our God records every injustice and He will repay in the most perfect way possible. The highest authority and evil in the universe is the devil and his angels outside of God. In this clause, when it says, he that is higher than the highest, who is the highest that's under the one that is higher? Well, it's the devil and his angels. As in the case of the devils behind the Persian and Greek empires recorded for us in Daniel chapter 10. Yet they cannot even drown a pig without express permission from our brother, 
the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is so comforting. If when you look at the when you look at the fourth clause, when it says the highest, yes, the context would indicate that that is primarily the earthly rulers that the poor that the oppressed have no way of defending themselves against. But since we know the whole Bible, we know that behind all governments there are also devils that are unseen and that are greater in power and might than those men. It doesn't matter which way you run it because it's true of both. That the Lord God is higher than the highest, whether it be human or angelic. And there be higher than they. The pomp, the power, the presence, the popularity of a ruler can be overwhelming to a citizen. The pomp, their security attachment, Air Force One, whatever you want to think about, the pomp, the power, the presence, the popularity of a ruler can be overwhelming to a citizen. What's going on in the world? The highest levels of authority, the highest levels of authority are doing this and they're doing that. There's one higher than that. And it's the Lord our God. The great difficulty citizens have to even meet rulers takes the issue out of their hands. They know that the issue of what governments decide is out of their hands. But it's not out of the hands of their God at all. There is an authority and power higher than any earthly, heavenly, or hellish authority. When you think power is in Washington or ISIS or wherever you might think it is, you have forgotten Jerusalem above. You have forgotten Fort Zion and the king that reigns there. How big is his army? Since he's called the Lord of hosts, how big is the host? An innumerable company of angels. Did they pass boot camp? Could they survive SEAL training? They're the angels of God. He's a terrible and a great king. You know, the Bible's filled with examples of violence by government. The first one I shared with you starting this morning was Pharaoh and Jethro pointed out that God was above him. In Exodus chapter 18 and verse 11, you know, Eli was the priest of Israel, but his sons had a violent perverting of justice and judgment in the worship of God at Shiloh. And what did God do to Eli and his family? Tore his family tree to shreds. There's higher than the highest. Saul was king of Israel. His family tree was ripped to shreds for a variety of sins against God. There was a famine in the days of David. David said, why are we having this famine? God said it's because of Saul and what he did to the Gibeonites. Take care of it. David called the Gibeonites in and said, what do you want? We want the seven sons of Saul. David went and got the seven sons of Saul and they dangled that day in the face of the sun, hung. That highest man, tortured, chased, lied to David over and over and over again. But there is higher than the highest. Ask Ahab and Jezebel about the consequences for stealing a vineyard from Naboth. Now they were the highest authority in the land of Israel, of the ten tribes. Did dogs lick Ahab's blood out of a chariot just like Elijah said? Did the dogs eat Jezebel just like Elijah said? Sennacherib blasphemed and threatened Judah. He was the king of Assyria. But he was destroyed so that a child could number his army. Joash, the little baby king, that grew up to be a little seven-year-old boy and was made king of Israel. He forgot the man that took care of him, whose name was Jehoiada the priest. And God tore him up for that and killed him for not remembering the kindness shown to him by Jehoiada. It didn't matter that he was king. There's a higher one than the highest. And it's the Lord our God. How about violence against rulers? We just, I just gave you examples of violence by government or violence by rulers. What about violence against rulers? 
What's the first example of rebellion against authority in the universe? The devil and his angels. In this great universe and its expanse that we cannot even comprehend, there is a special place somewhere. It's called the lake of fire. And it was prepared for the devil and his angels. Matthew chapter 25, verse 41. There is higher than the highest. No matter how high you go, there is higher than the highest. Korah and his company thought they could rebel against Moses. Remember some of these Bible examples when you see on the internet or the television or you hear or you read street rabble rising up against government officials, rising up against police. Remember that Korah tried to rise up against Moses and God did something new in the history of mankind. He opened the earth and swallowed them alive. Absalom rebelled against his father, King David. It doesn't matter the reason. Do you understand how great our God is? Was Absalom picked by God to punish David for his sin? Was Absalom responsible for his crimes against his father? How can God do both? The answer is in Romans 9, verse 20. Get a load of it. Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay? In talking to Sherry yesterday, there's Absalom riding, trying to get away from... David's men were pretty good fighters. As he and his army found out, he's riding, trying to get away, and his head is caught up in a tree. And he's dangling there by some branches that were perfectly formed by my God. Right. Perfectly. He's dangling there. And out of the corner of his eye, he saw the one person in all of Israel he didn't want to see. Right. If only he could have seen Daddy. Because Daddy would have got a chainsaw out and let the poor boy down onto an inner spring mattress. But Daddy isn't the one that found him. Daddy's nephew found him. And Joab didn't like going to war against Absalom. So he had three darts for dart practice. I just love thinking about it. Don't you enjoy thinking about it? Absalom rebelled against rightful authority. God used it in multiple directions. God used Absalom against David and God used Joab against Absalom. And out of the corner of his eye, you know, he couldn't move very well, but out of the corner of his eye, oh no, Joab. And then he hears the discussion because a man's on the scene that tells Joab, listen, King David said, don't touch the lad. Bring him safely back to his father. Absalom gets a little glimmer of hope. See, all these moments just mean great things to me. Just like Pharaoh in his chariot in the midst of the Red Sea. I like thinking about him driving his chariot furiously on an axle. How big was a chariot wheel? Did it have a 36-inch diameter? How big was the axle? Are you going to give it four? How far do you go on an axle? I'm giving you examples of violence against rulers. I love reading every bit of it. God sent, Surely the wrath of man shall praise thee, and the remainder of wrath thou shalt restrain. So I am rejoicing in what praised God, and God arranged every detail of it for Joab to find Absalom hanging in a tree. Ask the men of Persia, what happened to them for unjustly accusing Daniel? They and their families got thrown to the same lines the night before, didn't seem to be hungry. But these men and their families, the lions had the mastery of them before they hit the bottom of the den. In Esther chapter 3 and verse 15, it says the city of Shushan was perplexed. They didn't know Ecclesiastes 5.8. They were perplexed. What had happened? the genocide of a nation. 
the genocide of a people had just been passed into law by Ahasuerus under the manipulation of Haman. It was perplexed. They were marveling. They were astonished, surprised, and wondering what was going on in Persia. But Haman didn't last for very long, did he? God destroyed Haman as only Jehovah could. The pit that you have dug for someone else, you will fall into it. The gallows that you have built for someone else, you will dangle on them. He and his ten sons were killed on his own gallows that he had designed for Mordecai. But before he got to die, before he got to die, he had to take Mordecai through the streets of Shushan and praise and honor him as the man that the king wanted to honor. Now before he got to die, he got to go to lunch with Esther and be confronted at lunch in front of the king of Persia, Ahasuerus, that Haman was guilty of genocide against Esther and her people. Before he got to die, he made the mistake when Ahasuerus stepped into a garden to get a breath of fresh air before he wrung his head off with his own hands. He fell down and they, were, they, ate, and they ate by laying on couches at tables in Persia. He fell down to beg Esther for his life. So that when Ahasuerus stepped back in, it looked like Haman was trying to force his wife. Beautiful. Beautiful. There is higher than the highest. Haman thought he was the highest. He had to put Mordecai above himself. Ahasuerus was above him. And he dangled on his own gallows. And then legislation was passed to reverse his order and give the Jews the privilege of killing all their enemies. The exact opposite. But the city of Shushan was perplexed. Let us never be perplexed. Let us understand that God is in charge and He will have the last laugh and He will have total victory. Herod Agrippa I, he is the Herod of Acts chapter 12, should not have messed with the Apostle James. He killed the Apostle James. In Acts chapter 12, it says the Lord smote him, he got worms, and he died for not giving God the glory. In a shining silver robe, he gave an oration in the city of Caesarea after some games to honor Caesar. The foolish people cried, it is the voice of a God and not of a man, and they were wrong. You can read it from the outline. You ought to read Josephus' account and how perfectly it matches that of the Bible. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. That he got five days to think about those worms eating him. God will right all wrongs. For those of you that read Job chapter 20 last night, you know that He's going to right all wrongs. Look at Psalm 12. O Lord, our trust is in Thee. Have mercy upon us. We love Thy Word. We trust it. We trust Ecclesiastes 5.8. Our delight is in Thee. Arise, O God, and judge the earth. Psalm 12, verse 1. Help, Lord. Do you feel this way sometimes? I feel this way at times. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. They speak vanity, every one with his neighbor. With flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things, who have said, with our tongue will we prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? For the oppression of the poor... For the sighing of the needy, now will I arise, saith the Lord. I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. Amen and amen. What a wonderful promise of the Lord. And we have the right to pray, arise, O God, and judge the earth. As we saw in Psalm 82. Now, there's so many other verses that I could turn you to. I enjoy Micah very much. Micah the prophet warned Israel and Judah over and over that if you don't repent, terrible things are going to happen. If you don't repent, terrible things are going to happen. If you don't repent, Zion will be plowed like a field. 
Now, when you realize that Zion had a temple on it and fortresses and walls and palaces, how in the world do you pull a plow through gigantic, monstrous stones that were set in place? Because the Romans in their fury tore that thing to shreds. And Terentius Rufus of the 12th Legion pulled a plow across it that no one would ever think Zion was inhabited. There is higher than the highest because they gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. And the judgment was proportionately terrible. The greatest tribulation in the history of the world on the city of Jerusalem. Blood, shame, and pain are coming on this nation for crimes at all levels. The rejection of a creator, rejection of any moral restraint, abortion, Christian compromise, wherever you look, there's sin. Let us be righteous and let us trust in the comfort of Ecclesiastes 5.8. Marvel not at the matter. It should be our mantra, our banner, our comfort in this wicked world. We should be incredibly thankful, as was David in Psalm 18, for God's deliverance of His people. Remember this verse. Find comfort in it. It's the antidote to fear, to confusion, to frustration. Let's help each other with it. Let's remember it. Lord, we thank Thee. We will not marvel. We know that Thou art higher than the highest. In this country and in all nations of the earth. May Jesus Christ be praised. Amen. Amen.